everybody. I'm Cam Stewart, your Fantasy Sports News update. Uh, the NBA Finals not through Thursday, but tons of news today. The New York Knicks are going to aggressively pursue Kawhi Leonard this summer. Sources telling Ian Bagley from SNY Network. In addition, the Knicks plan to pursue Kyrie Irving. May have taken a brief detour now that the Brooklyn Nets are his favorite destination. Leonard said last week he's not prioritizing free agency until the end of the NBA Finals, though, as the Raptors pursue their first ever franchise championship. It looks like Kyrie Irving is going to become a free agent after all. The point guard will reportedly opt out of his final year of his deal with the Boston Celtics, allowing him to become a restricted free agent this summer. Irving's $21.3 million option is well below the going rate for player with his skill set six-time All-Star and a key member of the 2016 NBA champion Cleveland Cavaliers. The 27-year-old now stands to make more money on a long-term deal, up to approximately $189.7 million over five years if he returns to Boston. If Irving signs anywhere else, he can still receive $140.6 million over four years. Irving in his second year in Boston, averaging 23.8 points, almost seven assists and five boards a game. The Warriors plan to offer Kevin Durant a long-term deal with unusual outs, but after his injury, a lot up in the air. Despite whispers that Durant was angling to leave Golden State this summer, the team reportedly intended to offer the two-time NBA Finals MVP a long-term extension while allowing him to leave at any point during that new contract. Whether that's still on the table, well, the Warriors plan uh, to see what's happening there in Game 5 of the NBA Finals after that huge injury. So we don't know what's going to happen Team personnel believing the 30-year-old suffering a torn Achilles tendon, a severe and potential career-shortening injury that would sure wipe out his 2019-20 season. Durant currently has a player option for next year, and the value is at $31.5 million. If he declines the option, he's eligible to resign with the Warriors for up to $219 million over five years, which would secure his services to 2024, and he would be 35 years old. Game six of the NBA Finals shifting back to Golden State Thursday night, 9 o'clock. Uh, tip six Pacific time. Current betting line down a little bit. Warriors minus two and a half, 145 on the money line. Raptors plus two and a, two and a half, plus 125. Total down 211 and a half. Updated series price. Toronto minus 330. Golden State plus 270. Anthony Davis's agent Rich Paul is a warning for the Boston Celtics. If his client goes, they should view it as a one-year rental player. He says, quote, they can trade him, but it's going to be for one year. He told Sports Illustrated SL Price, Davis under contract for $28.7 million through 2019-2020 with the Pelicans. who moved to move him this summer, although they have until next season's trade deadline to strike a deal before losing him for nothing as a free agent. Pelicans saying before uh, they have no panic before the NBA June 20th draft. L.A. and New York franchises all interested. Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Nets all inquired. We'll see what happens there. The Cleveland Cavaliers have hired Cal's women's head coach, Lindsey Gottlieb, as an assistant coach on John Beeline's staff today. Uh, we got two of the best words in sports, guys. Game seven, the St. Louis Blues making multiple line changes, too, ahead of tonight's game. This just in, defenseman Joel Edmondson will sub in for fellow blue liner Robert Putozo, while the 19-year-old forward Robert Thomas, he will be scratched in favor of Ivan Barbashev, head coach Craig Berube confirming today. Boston Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy expects defenseman Matt Grizzlick to play. He is listed as a game-time decision still, but past concussion protocol. Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight in Boston, minus 180. Now that line just keeps on skyrocketing. Total 5.5. Blues on the money line, plus 160 to hoist the cup. Prosecutors in the Dominican Republic say the shooting of David Ortiz was a coordinated attack. Five people now under arrest for the shooting. Ortiz set to make a full recovery after being shot outside a bar at the Dominican on Sunday. He is back in Boston recovering. 
The L.A. Dodgers expect to be without Kyle Seager for four to six weeks. He has a hamstring injury. Let's get to the baseball MLB scoreboard live. Roman Laureano's grand slam, the difference. Oakland beating Tampa Bay six to two. He had five RBI on fire today. Cleveland and Cincy in the Battle of Ohio. Reds up seven to two in the top of the eighth. Cubs exploding on the Rockies early five to nothing. We are only in the top of second there. And we have one game coming up. Uh, next game up at uh, 4.05, we got Texas and Boston. That's just about to get underway. Red Sox, minus 159 and a half. Lynn versus Porcello. We'll go through the whole baseball board today. We got a whole lot of fun on the show. And an update from the World Cup of Women's Soccer. Germany beating Spain 1-0. Nigeria blanking Korea 2-0. And France and Norway scoreless at the half. Kevin Glenn retiring after 18 seasons in the CFL. I'm Cam Stewart. Stay tuned. Renzi host Red Eat and Rage Radio. We got a lot of fun today. Dan Daly on the U.S. Open, Mark Lawrence, and Gam Blue. It's a packed Wednesday. Red Heat and Rage Radio coming up next. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. Game, Game time, time decisions. decisions. All right, let's roll. Good. Eat Rachel Radio, Fantasy Sports uh, Radio Network, and just as the show uh, was about to begin, Yang's like, I need a contact uh, info for uh, Dan Daly. Well, I'll tell you, Yang, he hasn't changed his number since the last time he was on, I don't know, about 14 days ago. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's the way uh, we're rocking uh, here uh, today. The Raging Redhead, Cam Stewart. What's up, Cam? What's happening, Gabe? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, last night, uh, good stuff. A little bit uh, more good than bad on the baseball board tonight. Can't wait for game seven of hockey. And it's interesting. We haven't even hit uh, game, game six of the NBA final, but the news fast and furious. I wish they would leave Kawhi alone till the end of uh, this stuff. Then we could talk about free agency. But Kyrie Irving, other stories, it looks like the NBA wants to take uh, the spotlight right now. Uh, big, big news all over the board, but these are reports. They are never confirmed. Yeah, there's all kinds of reports uh, right now and crap, and I uh, expect to see this a lot over the next uh, three weeks, Cam, True. with NBA uh, free agency. Um, Clippers, Clippers, Clippers uh, with Kawhi Leonard. You keep hearing that. I just don't see it. I think he's going to resign uh, with the Toronto Raptors, a uh, two, two, three-year deal, um, and I expect that to, to happen, but uh, whatever. I'm not worried about NBA free agency, and to be honest with you, um, like you like say, I could care less. <laughs> About uh, <laughs> about Anthony yes. Davis and all this crap, man. The kid's a head case. He's more trouble than it's worth. And all these teams are going to bend over backwards uh, for him. We're probably going to end up uh, regretting it uh, in the end. Uh, but um, somebody's uh, somebody's going to pull the trigger, probably most likely the, uh, the L.A. Lakers. But who cares about all that stuff? We've got uh, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup uh, Finals. Uh, we've got the U.S. Open, NBA Finals tomorrow. As you mentioned, we've got a stacked uh, program. Uh, today, Dan Daly's going to join us, VegasInsider.com's uh, uh, Dan Daly. Uh, we've got uh, LouGamblu.com. Mark Lawrence, our college football previews are set to begin uh, today. Uh, we have to do it. We start doing it today. We do all the uh, all the big-time conferences, Cam. That'll take us right in the college of football. So ready or not, we begin our college football previews on uh, this afternoon's uh, show with Mark Lawrence, the American Athletic uh, Conference, the uh, AAC. Um, I like that. Pretty good conference. Gotta get them, yep, got to get them done, too. I know we talked to Big Man about the Cincinnati Bearcats. 
Uh, we'll talk to Lawrence. Obviously, a lot of their lines are going to be inflated because uh, they are. They've always had a pretty good defense. The offense looks pretty good. You're right. This conference, like, had to, there's some very, very good teams in the conference. There's a couple doormats, but uh, all in all, it's pretty. Uh, there's some. There's some good teams in in the American Athletic. Oh, there is. Uh, UCF, of course, uh, is back uh, once again uh, this year. A team to keep our eye on, uh, Cameron. I look forward to talking uh, some Memphis Tiger. Uh, football with uh, Mark Lawrence. I tell you, we'll look forward to seeing a uh, a win total uh, for these guys. It looks like uh, looks like they uh, could be in uh, in store for a strong season. Memphis football, We're breaking it all down. But Mark's going to join us uh, in about 20 minutes' time. Dan Haley joins us next. Dan Haley stops up and in. We talk U.S. Open golf with one of the best in the business. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. All right, game time decision. Thank you very much, Ed. Game time decisions has begun. I am uh, Marenzi. As we mentioned, we're going to stack show. Mark Lawrence going to join us. We're going to talk American Athletic Conference, uh, college football, some NBA finals. Let's see that Kevin Durant has just uh, posted uh, posted a picture from a hospital bed in which uh, he stated he had successful surgery, so good for him. <clears throat> we wish uh, Kevin Durant uh, the best. Uh, let's bring in a Dan Daly right now so we can get down to business. We've only got a couple of minutes uh, with Dan. Dan Daly can read his U.S. Open preview over at VegasInsider.com on the golf uh, page. Uh, he graciously joins us before every uh, major tournament. Dan, it's always a pleasure, sir. How you doing this afternoon, Dan? Gabe, I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. It's U.S. Open week. It's member guest week for me. I got I got a lot going on in the golf world. And I've said this. Uh, I said this earlier this morning on a morning show. You know, you live and breathe this stuff. Uh, our boy Cam Stewart lives and breathes this stuff. I'm more of a casual uh, golf uh, fan and better. Uh, but I got to tell you, I love the format uh, this year of these majors every month right now. It's kept people like me uh, interested because um, even then it's like, all right, yeah, the Canadian Open. Let's see how they're playing going in uh, to the U.S. Open. Everything's just sort of tied into each other, including uh, with the British Open uh, up next after this. And pretty cool as well, Pebble Beach recognizable course, one of the most famous courses in America, a beautiful backdrop, and it sets up for a great weekend of golf. Oh, it's perfect. I mean, you can't ask for a better setup than Pebble. I mean, quite frankly, they've had some really good courses the last couple of years. Problem is the USGA, and specifically Mike Davis, has screwed him up. And this year, finally, for the first time since he's taken over, he's removed himself from course setup, and I think as a result, you're going to see Pebble Beach play the way a U.S. Open, but Pebble Beach should play. You take a great course, a famous course, a hard course, and you just leave it alone, and you let the guys go play golf. They've been tricking it up, and they've made it worse. So I'm looking forward to this year specifically. Uh, the odds uh, plummeted, and Cam, you brought this up as far as Rory is concerned because yeah. he won in Hamilton uh, last uh, week. Uh, doesn't look like you have a lot of love for Rory uh, coming into this, Dan. And I didn't realize it's been a full five years since Rory's won a major. 
I, I don't have any – I mean, look, the guy just won by a billion in Canada. So, I, obviously, he's playing well. He missed the cut at Memorial, though. So, I mean, you know, golf is a fickle game week to week, right? And, and if you just look at his record in U.S. Opens, obviously he has the one win. But that win was on a golf course, as I go back to, that was playing more like a John Deere classic than a U.S. Open. So, for me, I don't put a lot of stock in that one. Um, I look at his record in, in other, you know, more comparable U.S. Opens, and they're pretty terrible. And if you go back to even last month at the PGA, I mean, same thing. So, yeah, I know he just won by, what, nine shots or whatever it was last week. But I, I just – I'd fade, I'm fading Rory this week, and, and hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come back to bite me in the ass. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't want uh, not having Patrick Cantlay on my card to bite me in the ass, Dan. And other than Brooks Kepka and DJ, great article, by the way, and kudos to you for the top 10 with Adam Scott when he was 55-1 to one at the PGA Championship. But great call. this kid, UCLA guy, uh, Pebble Beach, you know, but due to his success over the last few weeks and one of the only guys with the top 10 major, we don't get any line value. There's no more Patrick Cantlay 5. We're getting, uh, you know, 16s, 18s, and 20s. Not enough for me, Dan. No, and I saw where Cantlay was laying odds to Brooks Kepka in a head-to-head matchup. I mean, wow. wow. You talk about a guy's <laughs> odds turning. Uh, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, those were my guys I've been riding in top tens for the past year and a half, and they finally caught up to me. I'm still I'm still in the rider till she bucks your don't ride her at all camp, so I'm taking him one more time just to see how we do. But, man, to your point, I mean, the, the juice is not worth the squeeze anymore. <laughs> the juice not worth yes. the squeeze. Squeeze. Uh, that's great. That's, that's how I felt about dropping uh, fourteen hundred bucks for a Raptors ticket uh, the other yes, night. Yes, exactly. Uh, but that's right. another the story. Juice not worth the squeeze. <laughs> that's 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 another story. Or I should say the the twenty four dollar double drinks uh, oh, yes. in the arena. I don't know if that juice is worth the squeeze. Oh, you're you're getting squeezed. But speaking of uh, speaking of drinks. Ooh. Um, it looks like uh, Dan's drinking the uh, the Jordan Spieth Kool Aid uh, again. Oh, yeah. is, is is Jordan Spieth in the mix this week, Dan? I have to believe he is. I mean, everybody comes up with all these crazy stats about Spieth hitting fairways and Spieth hitting greens and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, Jordan Spieth goes as Jordan Spieth's putter goes. And if you look back, that's just the way it's always been. All the other stuff is just a bunch of window dressing, in my opinion. And the guy is now third on the tour in strokes gained putting. And the other two, he's behind. They, they aren't even playing this week, I don't think. So, I mean, he loves the course. It sets up well for him. He finished third in the PGA. He's got a top ten at Colonial, another top ten recently. I, I think that this week sets up really well for him. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't love the the sixteen to one that he's that he's on the board to win. I, I took it. Uh, I don't love it because I think he should be more 25 to 30 to one, but I, I think he has a very good chance of contending this week. And, and, uh, you know, the guy's won three majors, right? So it's, it's hard to say that he, he's not used to the pressure, but lately as bad as he's played the last two years, I mean, I, you know, you got to kind of get back in like Tiger did when he came back. Um, and I was going to ask Dan about Tommy Fleetwood, Gabe. This seems like the perfect yep. type of track. He's always top five, top 10 and hanging. But at uh, Pebble Beach, where it rewards ball striking, uh, like, I got to believe, he always has that one bad round, Dan. But we're getting him at, like, I see you say 27 to 1. I've seen some offshores, 33. That's not a bad number for Fleetwood because I think he's going to be a top five, top ten guy for sure. Oh, I, I love Fleetwood this week. I mean, I, again, he's never won on the U.S. on U.S. soil, so it's hard for me to imagine that his first win is a U.S. Open. But, I mean, 
you know, we had him top five last year, and and uh, he kind of shocked the world with his with his final round sixty two. And uh, you know, I, if it wasn't for Kepka's putting on the back nine, he might have won last year. So I mean, again, True. I think U.S. Open type venues favor Fleetwood really well because he just hits the ball so good. All right. So since we have limited uh, limited minutes uh, here, we'll get into who. Uh, who Dan thinks the winner is, and I don't want to scare you off, Dan, but I was actually looking at the same golfer here. Normally, the odds just don't justify it ever. And, you know, but to be honest, it's not like you're ever going to get Dustin Johnson. I've got, I see he's plus 900 in New Jersey right now over at FanDuel, which is pretty much standard. I mean, we've seen him actually at less before, uh, but as you write, I hate betting guys that are single-digit odds to win because I don't think it's anywhere close to the true value of winning a PGA event, let alone a major. But sometimes you just have to swallow the odds and take the best option on the board. And I know, Cam, you feel as if, though, that Dustin Johnson is the best option on the board. Dan Daly, tell us why you like Dustin Johnson to win this week. Before I answer that, I wanted to ask you, who are the old guys at the casino betting on? Because that's what I want. Last time oh. they all were on Kepka, and we missed oh, that yeah, vote. So right. whoever yeah, they're on is who I'm betting on. It's a good call. Um, look, yeah, Gabe, you got to go down there and find out what the seniors are I doing. I was there Come earlier on. today. I was there earlier today, but uh, the old guys, I didn't see them. I, uh, I didn't see the, the old guys. Uh, I didn't overhear anything. Because you're right. All those old guys were really on to something last time. Man. Like, those guys <laughs> right? were dialed in, man. Every old man came in asking a window. How do I bet on? They didn't even know how to bet it. How do I bet on this golf? I want Brooks Kepka. They all wanted Brooks Kepka. Smart guys. <laughs> all right. Hopefully they're doing the same this week for DJ. Look, at the end of the day, I just I cannot wrap my brain around a guy that talented having one major championship, and I just refuse to believe that he's going to end his career with one. So if if you believe that, you believe he's going to win again, and I just don't know that there's a better setup for him than this week. I mean, going forward, who knows? But I, look, he plays the course incredibly well. He led in 2010 after 54 holes. He's won twice. He's runner-up twice in the regular event there. Now, I know they play a couple of different courses. But, I mean, he's second at the PGA last month. I just – everything about this sets up for him. And I, I think it's a perfect opportunity. I think Kepka winning three in a row is just absolutely mind-boggling. I just can't fathom it, and I won't bet on it. Um you know, if you look at all the odds, Vegas doesn't have – they don't have as much faith in him as I thought they would, some of his matchup bets. But uh, – Brooks, I mean. But, yeah, I think DJ this week, as good as he drives the ball and with a premium on hitting fairways uh, in the U.S. Open again, I, he hits it longer and straighter than anybody I know. So, you know, at the end of the day, I don't love the 8-9-1, to one, but I think he's your guy this week. All right, the music is playing, which means we don't have a lot of time. So 10 seconds on Tiger Woods. Well, the last time, it, well, when he won in 2000, he won by more shots than the women's soccer team did yesterday. So put that in perspective. I mean, how can you bet against the guy that won by 15 shots on that course? Ted Daly, read the full call of VegasInsider.com. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire.
Game time decisions ready. Bridge Radio continues. Madison Sports on Radio Network. Thank you to Dan Daly, VegasInsider.com. Uh, joining us, a quick golf hit. We'll get back into the golf uh, a little bit uh, later on with the Raging Redhead, Cam Stewart. Let's bring in Mr. Mark Lawrence right now. Talk a little NBA Finals. Maybe a little baseball. We'll take a look at the coffee club, but uh, it's time to start talking college uh, football. And uh, although we've kicked the tires a little bit on some of the college football odds, uh, Mark, this will, uh, truth be told, our uh, first uh, it's our first class, Professor. So take it easy on us. And uh, <laughs> we'll just warn everybody right now, Mark is a little hungover today uh, because a uh, Florida bar was offering free shots. For every goal that uh, the women's U.S. soccer team scored yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> there's 13 shots for everybody in the bar. Yeah, the bars, they're not doing it again. Like, that's a one-time promotion. 13 shots for everyone in the bar. Mark was one of the patrons. What's up, Mark? <laughs> well, worse than that, Gabe, I was the one that offered that bet in that bar. So it ended up oh, yeah, you own the bar. dearly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I they they learn, you know, you do that bet, you do that promo, guys, when they're playing France or Germany or something. Exactly. And they're going to score three goals, exactly. <laughs> like two goals. You don't do it. You don't do it really when they're fun. five goal favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Mark Mark Lawrence uh, with his great job. Uh, congratulations on another year, Mark. What playbook is this? Uh, what? Uh, how many years have you now done it? This is number 27, guys, 27 wow. in the well. And uh, I, we think, honestly, personally, a little biased, but I think this is our best effort ever this year. And a lot of nice new features in the magazine this year, the football magazine, and one of which we'll be talking about as we do some of these conference previews is a rating of returning production for each and every college football team. So a good gauge to gauge these teams by on how much production is returning for each and every team, and we're excited about that. All right, so let's jump in right now. Uh, let's take a look at, uh, so we have some uh, odds courtesy of FanDuel. Uh, UCF are favored to win the conference at plus 125. The Houston uh, Cougars are uh, plus 500. Memphis are plus 500. Uh, Bearcats, Cincinnati, plus 700. South Florida, plus 700. Temple, 12 to 1. Tulane, 30 to 1. And great call, Mark, uh, last year on Tulane, making it to a bowl game and the Tulane over. SMU, 35 to 1. And uh, Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane, have really fallen. Uh, now they're uh, 35 to 1 to win the conference. So let's start off at the top here, Mark, with, with UCF. Um, are are they over are they over favored here due to uh, name and reputation only, or are they every bit as dangerous coming into this year? And we're talking about a football team that's won twenty five its last twenty six football game. I think a lot of that price gave is on name and reputation for UCF. Uh, why not? They've won like you say twenty five games the last two football seasons here, but. You know, uh, there's right now film on this football team, and uh, they had to do it last year with the huge quarterback injury that they had. They withstood all that when Mackenzie Milton went down. Uh, Daryl Mack is back for them this football season here, but I think they're a little bit overhyped this football season here. And those returning production rankings that I was talking about, they rank number 90 overall. That's 90 out of 130 teams. So they're not coming back with a lot of experience, this football team isn't. I think they can be had in the AAC this year. And it's not like they were great defensively to begin with, and only five returning starters on defense. 
uh, as as well, uh, guys. Yeah, I mean, they've given up over 400 yards in each of those two seasons, you know, when they've won 13 and 12 games respectively. And, uh, you know, sooner or later, you're going to have to strap it on and play some defense here. And I'm saying that largely because this conference is going to be up overall. There's some talent in this conference here that UCF hasn't seen before in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if this US, uh, UCF football team does not win the East. Hey, Mark, Cincinnati, the Bearcats, they're, they're a very, very strong program. It's interesting, though, because they're one of the more known programs, too. You get to see them a lot. Their defense was absolutely stellar last year. Special teams, as you mentioned in the playbook, too. Very, very good. The best punter in the FBS as well. It's one of those things, though, Mark, with line value, right? People know about the Bearcats and Luke Fickle. Uh, Got to play Ohio State, too. It's going to be interesting. A very good team, but the numbers might be inflated a bit because people know how good this team is on both sides of the ball. Great point, Gabe. Again, another football team that rose from the ashes last year. They won four games each of the previous two seasons and come back and won 11 games last year. And they're being priced accordingly. Uh, Luke Fickle did a great job with the team, especially defensively, when they improved over 100 yards on the, uh, that way. But the one thing in their favor, no back-to-back road games for this football team this year here. And that offense and defense each improved over 100 yards on both sides of the football. So a lot to like about what Cincinnati's got coming back this football season here. Very experienced team. But, you know, when you arise that level of 11 wins uh, going from four, it's oftentimes going looking backwards the next year. I think Cincinnati could trip up more often not this year than people realize. Yeah, you just can't avoid it. It's almost like that Super Bowl hangover, isn't it? In which, you know, excuse me, we saw it, uh, remember two years ago, Mark, uh, at the conference when I gave uh, Florida Atlantic uh, yes. over the number. And what happened last year? All the hype of FAU, they, they regressed in a big way uh, after the fact. The pressure is on. The, there's not the same hunger within the room. The kids think they're better than they think they are. You've got a target on your back uh, suddenly. There's just so many reasons as to, uh, as to why. Uh, these these teams falter after after winning double digit games uh, like that. Uh, but you know a team that uh, we're, we're we're intrigued by here, 14 returning starters, seven on each side of the uh, the football, and you know normally it's like oh god they have another coach, and it's getting pretty extreme right now with Temple and their coaching changes. Now, what's this? Their sixth coach in 10 years, Mark. Their third uh, third straight coach in three straight years. Uh, but as somebody that follows the Mac very closely, I know just how good of a coach Rod Carey is. And going from Northern Illinois to, to Temple, very, very similar style uh, program. They already sort of played the same style of football that he was playing uh, already in Illinois. Yeah, Rod Carey's a really nice uh, nice pickup for this team here. They lost Jeff Collins, who was only there two years and left for bigger aspirations at Georgia Tech. But uh, Rod Carey knows how to win football games, guys. If you take a look at uh, his career record in conference games, is second only to Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I mean, he's really, really performed well, especially in conference games where it counts for this football team here. There's going to be a transition, you know, going from uh, bringing a whole new offensive coordinator, coaching staff, everything like that for Rod Carey here. But the bottom line is, I think uh, once uh, they roll around into the month of October here, uh, after having gone through Maryland and Georgia Tech, I think this football team could be a surprise in the East this football season here, especially on the road, because as you know, Gabe, that's where Rod Carey wins a lot of football games. 
hey, Gabe and Mark, you guys know we, we should call this the coaching change conference too. Like, look at all the programs with new coaches here. Gabe, you know me. I got a soft spot in my heart for the East Carolina Pirates. They've always been uh, one of those teams that's come through for me in uh, big-time situations. Ruffin McNeil was a very popular man there, Mark. Big man, big heart. And now they bring in, though, Mike Houston from uh, James Madison. What a program that is. These guys are always there. The FBA, FCS championship team. Look at the 80-25 and 25 record. This program has really taken a beating the last few years, Mark. But to get rid of a guy like McNeil to bring in Houston, obviously uh, East Carolina is an interesting team. They made a tough decision. Hopefully it's the right one. Well, it is. You know, they, I think they made a big mistake when they did get rid of Ruffin McNeil and they brought in Scotty Montgomery. It didn't yep. work out. Three three-win seasons paved the way for Mike Houston here, who, as you mentioned, Cam, had a great record uh, in, in the Division Two ranks. And he's going to end up turning this program around. I just don't know if it'll be this year. And the reason I'm saying is they're a little bit light on returning production. And also you take a look at uh, they're going to face five opponents this year that are going to come off of bye weeks. That's five opponents that have an extra week to prepare for East Carolina. That can end up sometimes biting a football team. And remember, last year they were ranked dead last in red zone defense. So they're going to have to shore things up defensively, adapt to the new coaching staff here. I think he was a great hire, but I just don't think it's going to pay off for a bowl this football season here. But we will see improvement. I think they'll get over that three-win hurdle. And, Cam, those old East Carolina Pirate covers, man, I don't think they've covered a game since Skip Holtz was there. To be honest. <laughs> they used to be money in the bowl game. That was like back in the Marcus, Chris Johnson era game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Marcus Crandall was their quarterback. Last time they won, won a football game, I think. Uh, David Garrard. Uh, but, yeah, they used to be a covering machine. They've sort of fallen off, uh, fallen off the map. Uh, a little bit. And speaking of falling off the map, me and Cam remember the days when uh, when UConn were a power and oh, yeah. uh, were going going to international bowls and uh, had had a rock solid defense. Of course, Coach Edsel left. He is now back. But SB Nation's Bill Connolly, that knows as much about college football as anybody in America uh, does, uh, ranked each program, Mark, and he ranks uh, the Connecticut Huskies as uh, the nation's most depressing team. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah, got to be really more depressing campuses and everything. <laughs> see, There's got to be see, worse. To see Mark's headline, Gabe? Team Xanax. Ever been to East? That's tough. You ever been to Eastern <laughs> Michigan, guys? Come on, man. Like, <laughs> stores. Yeah, you don't want to see that on your tombstone. Uh, the nation's most depressing team uh, died of depression. But, you know, the bottom line here is I still wonder why Randy Edsel is still in the game. Uh, this football team is going backwards rapidly in the second term. Uh, and, in fact, Conley's numbers, take a look at them, guys, returning production, ranked 125th in the country. They have nobody back on offense, which might be a good thing because uh, they weren't much last year. Defensively, though, uh, they're going to improve. Uh, they have to improve because they allowed 617 yards a game last year and 7.7 yards a carry. Those are high school numbers. Uh, that's a bad high school team playing a, a decent high school team, and that's what UConn is all about here. There's not a lot to like about this team. Nine games last year, guys, nine games they allowed 600 or more yards last football season here. i got to put them on my play against list. All right, we'll take a quick break, and on the other side, uh, we'll hit. Uh, we'll get a quick thought on, on Tulane. Mark was all over them last year. Can they continue to build and uh, go in the right direction under really SMU could get the uh, team uh, this year with Shane Bouchelle transferring over from Texas. And I want to talk about that dark horse and Memphis Tiger football team. 
Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Network, I heart, tune in. All right, we got Mark Lawrence. Playbook.com, the 27th edition is now available. Go to playbook.com, a new stand near you. You can get it on your mobile devices uh, as well, but all the information over at playbook.com. All right, Mark, let's, we'll pick up the pace, uh, guys. Um, a team, uh, you know, they opened up the season last year, Mark, with seven straight wins, Coach Charlie Strong. And uh, and the Bulls, uh, but uh, they faded. Uh, they faded down the stretch. They feasted on inferior opponents early, but they do have uh, they do have 14 starters back, including nine on offense. Uh, what's your opinion on the Bulls coming into this year, Mark? Well, as you mentioned, Gabe, uh, a definite uh, dichotomy in this team last year: seven straight wins to open, seven six straight losses to end the football season here. He's got a lot of offense coming back, Charlie Strong does. Number 11 overall in the country in total returning production offensively for this football team. And they've got some egg on their face after that, losing six games in a row like they did last year. Uh, I think this football team can make some strides. They went backwards big time statistically. They went 75 yards of the offense backwards, 87 on the defense. Uh, But they do reside in the east where I think they have a chance to maybe crack through. I think they'll be a bowl team again this season here. But – I think their better days, those glory days, are in the rearview mirror when they won 11 and 10 games each of the previous two seasons. And uh, Cam and uh, Mark, we got to bring up the Houston Cougars with Dana Holderson. That's what I was saying. Should be an exciting, uh, perfect coach, perfect city. He was the OC there before. Yeah, with Case Keenum, too, OC there, Gabe, I'm with you, Mark. This has got to be one thing. This is going to be old school Houston Cougars. Let's score points, buddy. I love the, I I agree with you, Gabe. Great fit with Holderson and the Cougars. Well, you look up and down their schedule here, guys, and you take a look at last year, their opponents had the second lowest win percentage of all teams in college football last year. They were 54 and 84 combined. So he's, he's going to benefit that way, uh, especially uh, coming up forward here. And uh, You know, they didn't face a ranked opponent last year either. So, you know, the bottom line here is Dana Holgerson, new life into this football program here, and he's here for a reason. He's got a nice million-dollar bonus in his contract if he somehow takes this team into the Big 12 Conference, which is where they really belong. But the bottom line is that's what he'll be playing to do is to impress the Big 12 to become one of these next two members in the conference here. Uh, He's got eight wins he won last year. I think he can do the same thing this year. But I think he was a good hire for this football program. He goes home, and he's liking that, and so too are the fans of the Houston Cougars. All right, so let's just blast through. Uh, We pretty much hit every team. Uh, in the conference, just a few left. What about the team sort of at the bottom of the odds uh, list here? Listen, Navy runs a great program. They've fallen on hard times. Looks like they're rebuilding. They might be a year or two away, uh, Mark, right now. But as you stated, you know, um, you love those mission teams. It's just they're so young. And then you got a military uh, mission team as well. I brought up SMU going out of, out of that break. SMU actually got a little bit better defensively uh, under Sonny Dykes. 
Offensively, you know, they're always going to move the football. They got Shane Bouchelle uh, in here right now. Tulane, Mark, had that nice year last year. You called it that they would finally break through and get to a bowl game. Uh, they did with Willie Fritz and uh, and Pulse as well. What's your take on the bottom end of this conference? Well, I think Navy, as you mentioned, you got to be careful because they are a military team and they are in a mission season here. A little bit light with the returning talent here, but that really isn't a factor with military teams. I think they'll bounce back this year. I don't think they'll go bowling, but I think they'll come real close to being bowl eligible. SMU, as you mentioned, Shane Buchel coming in here. That's going to be a big pickup for this team. They lose Ben Hicks, who was their other quarterback. Uh, I think it's a big pickup for the football program here. I don't know where they're going to go. Sonny Dyke's second year is sort of surprised last year defensively when he improved, but I don't know if he's got two good defensive years in a row in him. And I'm with you. <laughs> I like this football. <laughs> I, they, uh, Tulane, I... Last year, they were a really good, improved football team. I think they're a sleeper in the West here again this year. I'm a big Willie Fritz guy. I just like Willie Fritz. I like what he does with football programs, where he goes. Uh, He improved the offense and the defense last year. I think he can do it again this year. And you talk about Tulsa, that offense they've got here. uh, Philip Montgomery, he was a promising head coach, but he's only won five games the last two years. He's got to get his act together here real quick because he could be on the outs as well. But he brings back a ton of talent offensively. Doesn't show what the returning starters guy. He's only six, but he's number eight in the country, number six in the country in overall returning production offensively and number eight defensively. Tulsa could also be a sleeper team this year. I think they can cover some numbers this year, guys, because we're going to be getting points uh, with uh, with Tulsa. And I like the numbers in which, listen, if he gives up less than 34 points, he's 17-7-1 and one against the spread coach Montgomery. If they score more than 30 points, they're 30-9 and nine against the spread in conference games. And I think there's quite a few defenses here in this conference that they will be able to put up those type of points uh, against and cover some numbers. But, Mark, the team, after reading the preview here, the team that sort of jumped off the page at me the most, and I'm looking at their odds to win, and we see UCF and Memphis have really become the big rivals uh, here in this conference over the last uh, couple of years. Like, Memphis is not one team that can play with UCF, uh, Mark. Um, and head coach uh, Mike Norvell, he's got a solid team coming back uh, once again. And I love this number, 21-0 straight up. It's his last 21 home games against 6-6-6 or fewer. Uh, winning percentage opponents. Uh, Brady White uh, is is the quarterback. Um, only four FBS foes with winning records. I haven't seen a college football win total uh, yet here uh, for Memphis, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far, Mark. I am too, Gabe. I think this is the team to beat in the AAC this football season here. You know, the Excuse me, they lost Henderson, the running back, last year. Uh, and Daryl Henderson, I think he's going to be a big impact player in the National Football League, too, by the way. But his backup is Patrick Taylor, who ran for 1,900 yards behind uh, Henderson. He's arguably, some people say, the best running back in college football this year. And you pair him with Brady White, as you mentioned, the quarterback. There's a lot to like about this football team, and I keep harping on this returning production, but they're number seven in the country in total returning production, and you can mark it down. Mike Norvell will be a head coach at a Power 5 football conference, if not next year, no later than two years from now. Yeah, no uh, no uh, win total stuff for this team yet. I'm, I don't know. Maybe there is somewhere. I know uh, South Point's usually pretty good for that in Vegas for having the obscure teams, Mark, but you know, I'm looking at FanDuel right now. They don't have Memphis up. 
and uh, I'm looking at an offshore place, and they don't have a Memphis win total up. Have you seen one yet for Memphis? No, no, I haven't yet either myself. Uh, but, you know, their schedule looks very, very manageable. They won eight games last football season here. You're going to be in that range again this year with this football team, but I think they can exceed that. They could be knocking on a 10-win season here. Mark Lawrence with his playbook.com. All right, uh, Mark, so uh, the uh, the NBA Finals continue. We go back to Oracle for one last game. No matter what happens, this is the last game in this arena. Man, there's been a lot of weird storylines in this series. It's been a weird uh, weird series, uh, Mark. And, you know, the, the home court really hasn't meant as much as uh, we would think it is. I mean, both teams has won uh, two times on the other's uh, court already in this series. Yeah, it's, uh, what, has it been five straight games for the road team, I believe, uh, coming into this game here tonight? Yes, but, sir. Yeah, you know, yes, the, it's game two. Yeah, you're right. Yep. You're right. So the bottom line to me here, however, the guys is this, is that not only is it the last game at Oracle, but they're also going home off back-to-back previous home losses. And I just can't envision this basketball powerhouse being what it is to close out with three successive losses at Oracle before they make their move to San Francisco next year. Uh, that and uh, I think the game that they won at Toronto was a gift for that basketball team here. I think they're going to come with everything they've got. And this is also one of these win one for the Gipper type games where Durant is now officially out. They know it. He gave his heart and soul in that last basketball game. You rally around that type of player here. I think Golden State gets his win comfortably, and game seven Ugh. will be in Toronto. <laughs> 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 I'm talking to a Toronto so, fan sorry, base Mark. here. I realize that. I love you. I've already got. I already got the Raptors at three and a half. But God love you, buddy. We're, 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 we're all like, in. Really? We're all in. Are they really going to sweep sweep them in, in Oracle? I know. Win three freaking times. Wow. They could do it, Gabe. Uh, believe. Uh, gotta believe. Okay, Mark. Uh, game seven, Stanley Cup Finals uh, yes. tonight. St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. This one's interesting in a sense, Mark, too, that the St. Louis Blues have been better on the road throughout the entire postseason. Uh, you know, they're 9-3 and three on the road, um, so they're more comfortable on the road. But for me, and that's what worries me about going, going to Oakland to play, just that winning pedigree that we saw the Warriors display uh, the other night in Toronto. Now, listen, the Boston Bruins haven't won a Stanley Cup, guys, since 2011, but they have a lot of veterans on their team. They have guys, Cad, that have won Cups before. The city yep. of Boston's been there, done that. Winners. There isn't a war about the city right now. I mean, come on. They've won 12 championships in the last 17 years, all their teams. We can't deny this. Uh, but it's the first game seven in a hell of a long time, actually, in Boston. Uh, it's hard to believe because, you know, they have so they play in the playoffs so often. I'll get you the exact number. Uh, but, uh, Mark, uh, nothing beats a game seven and, and for a championship. And game seven, Stanley Cup goes down tonight. Uh, what, what's your take? Well, it wouldn't surprise me to see this thing get to overtime again, and why not? I mean, that's been yep. the mo of yep. these of these playoffs here. Uh, two plus three ten, Mark. Plus three ten. Wow, wow. Yeah, plus three ten uh, for this game to go to overtime. Wow, I, I, you know that's like playing to a draw in soccer, and I'd look real hard at that tonight. Uh, I think the edge goes, however, to Boston here, if not because of the home ice. I mean, the home teams have won twelve of the last sixteen in the finals of game seven here i think they're 0-2 the last two but you know the bottom line here to me is the goaltending and while bennington's had a great year here tuka rask has been there and done that he's 5-0 and in elimination games this year 
and I think he'll extend that streak here. I think the Boston Bruins host the, uh, the Stanley Cup here tonight. But hats off to St. Louis. What a great season they've had. Uh, that's all for two with us, Cam. Yeah. yeah, it's not good, Gabe. <laughs> I'm Mark, friend of the program. I'm feeling daggers right now. It's not just indigestion. Yeah. It's, um, I guess I should have sent you guys some seven. pregame notes. It's know? okay. No, Mark, hey, hey, it's, it's supposed to be like, hey, it's the blue. Hey, the thing is, Boston, you said it. Rask has been better, Gabe, but that line's climbing two to a buck 80. I'm seeing it's a real value point with St. Louis in a tight game at plus 160, and you can get them in regulation and not even pay juice anymore. And that And that correlates with the tie. If it's tied, you win the St. Louis plus a half buck bet and hope for even more if it's tied. So we might have to jump all in the pool, Gabe. I'm jumping in the deep end. How about this, uh, guys? So I was talking, uh, this is the first game seven uh, in a championship. So there's been game sevens before, obviously, with Boston. You know, the Leafs have played a bunch of them. Uh, But it's the first game seven in a championship for any uh, Boston team in a championship since the NBA Celtics in 1984. Wow. The last time, and what I can't believe is Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, David Krejci, Zdeno Chara, and Tuka Rask were all on the freaking team in 2011. <laughs> Here they are still, uh, right now it's 2019. But St. Louis are nine and three uh, in the playoffs. Um, all right, before we get you guys, uh, before we get uh, we get you out of here, uh, Mark, um, Edwin Jackson. So uh, Edwin Jackson's a scratch for tonight's game, right? Cam uh, Law is now in. Yeah. Yeah, Edwin Jackson, Gabe, has given up uh, 10 runs to the Rockies. I think, uh, I think ERA he's getting is released to, or sent down yes, he or will, whatever. He, he will be sent down or released. His ERA is close to 20. Also some bad uh, places to pitch in, but yes. So spot start uh, for, for Law and the Jays tonight who lost to Baltimore. But uh, it's been tough for Jackson. He's been really bad. Uh, Mark, I'm looking at the yeah. coffee club. I see uh, Barrios is 6-0 six and, six and oh is, uh, in his career in the month of June. Norris, 9-0 in his career versus the Royals. Uh, Tigers, uh, Daniel Norris tonight, too. Yeah, Norris has been pitching some uh, really good baseball here. Lights out, and he's playable here tonight. Barrios a little bit of a price, but Norris on the road, playable here. I like him over Kansas City pretty well tonight. Mark Lawrence, congratulations on another great uh, playbook. Uh, Mark, the best one yet, 27th anniversary. Uh, get it, playbook.com. Thanks for the time, Mark. And my pleasure, guys. Enjoy the game and be well. Great stuff with Mark Lawrence. Excellent. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Thank you very much, uh, Yang. Great job. Um, I see right now there's a lot of a lot of talk about the U.S. women winning 13 nothing and the celebrations and the scoring and uh, they're unapologetic about it. And now they're spinning it right now that it's sexist. That if it was the men, that nobody would be saying anything. <clears throat> and that's a pile of crap. It now, is. first off, the USA men's soccer team is never going to beat anybody 13 nothing. All right. The better chance they lose 13 nothing, <laughs> So that's not going to happen. Uh, but all kidding aside, like I said, if if the U.S. team got beat up, man, like Germany decided, you know what, we're, we're not going to kick the crap out of these guys. 
and they ran up the score, people would be pissed. But the thing is, I don't have a problem, Cam, with the 13 goals. There is goal differential. The tournament just started. Sure. The, the U.S. wasn't playing great. I, I think they only won 3 nothing against uh, an inferior team. Was it Venezuela or someone earlier? Yep. They only won 3 nothing. They were kind of being looked at like, come on, girls, what's going on? Raise it up a notch. I don't have a single issue with the 13. 10 sort of the number, but there is a goal differential, and Sweden could kick the crap out of Thailand too. Okay, so I, I totally get that. But the celebrating stuff is just way yes. too much, Cam. Yes. Did you see some yes. of the celebrating that blonde yes. chick kicking her leg yes. up in the air and stuff? Yes. Like, come on, man. Like, and I don't also, care if you're a man, woman, or transgender. It's wrong. <laughs> like, also, you can't do that. So they had a- no, they had a Canadian girl who did uh, the stuff here, and that uh, basically came out. She basically said, I don't care about the goal differential, and that's another problem with social media. You didn't listen to the whole thing she said. She said exactly what you said. You score goals in the tournament. I had a problem with the excessive celebration after murdering a team in double digits, the dancing and such. She's had death threats. Like when death you see threats. Alabama. Death threats when you see- from people. Who's the- like, are you kidding me? Who's- the girl, who's the, the girl, girl who's working, yeah, who worked for Team Canada, went on there and said, I have no problem with the uh, the 13 nothing when I have a problem with the celebration. And now she's getting on Twitter death threats from people. Social media, great stuff. That's what I was talking about. That's what I've been saying the last couple of days. People were nuts. Why do you think I'm off it? I told you, buddy. No thanks. But it's not sexy. No, it's not. You know, I guess, I don't know, like, they they could spin it like this. Oh, if it was men, you would be. Of course we would. It's like, look, man, like when you see Alabama. You see Alabama kicking the crap out of someone, or Michigan running up the score. They don't celebrate. They put the football down oh, in the end zone, it, it, or you yeah. hand it to the rack. You know what I mean? You handle your business. You don't jump around like jackass. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. St. Louis Blues also make multiple line changes, guys, ahead of the biggest game in franchise history tonight. Defenseman Joel Edmondson is in. Fellow defenseman Robert Brutuzzo out. And Robert Thomas, the 19-year-old, scratched in favor of Ivan Barbashev, according to head coach Craig Berube. Today he's mixing it up. Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy expects defenseman Matt Grizzlick to play. He's still listed as a game-time decision. The good news, he passed concussion protocol. We said a game seven time, baby. It's going to be a fun one tonight just after 8 o'clock. The line skyrocketing. Bruins now minus 180. Total five and a half. Blues plus 160 as dogs. The New York Knicks are going to aggressively pursue Kawhi Leonard this summer. This is according to multiple reports. In addition, the Knicks' plan to pursue Kyrie Irving may be taken on the back burner as they believe the Brooklyn Nets are the favorite destination. Leonard said last week he's not talking about free agency till the end of the NBA Finals as the Raptors look for their first ever title. Kyrie Irving set to become a free agent. The point guard reportedly opting out of his final year of the deal with the Celtics, allowing him to become a restricted free agent this summer. Irving's $21.3 million option is well below the going rate. Six-time All-Star, key member of the 2016 Cleveland Cavalier champions. He's 27 right now. On a long-term deal, he can make $189.7 million over five years if he returns to Boston. If Irving signs anywhere else, he can receive $140.6 million 
over four years. The Warriors, uh, Kevin Durant, successful surgery today. That's good news. Also stories saying the team reportedly intended on giving the two-time NBA Finals NBT a long-term extension while allowing him to leave at any point during the contract after the huge injury in Game 5. That's up in the air. Uh, the team believing that, that Achilles injury, too. This could really impact his career in the future, too. And Durant uh, currently has a player option for next year, $31.5 million. If he declares the option, he is eligible to re-sign with the Warriors for up to $219 million over five years, which would secure his services through 2024. He would be 35 years old. Game six of the NBA final. We just talked about it with Mark Lawrence. Current betting line, Warriors two and a half, minus 145 on the money line, down from three. Raptors plus 125 total. 211 and a half series price. Rap still big favorite for 340. Golden State to plus 270. We got some other uh, news kicking around too. The Cleveland Cavaliers have hired California women's head coach Lindsey Gottlieb as an assistant coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers under John Beeline today. That's a nice story. Prosecutors in the Dominican Republic say the shooting of David Ortiz, a coordinated attack. Five people now under arrest for the shooting. Ortiz set to make a full recovery after being shot outside a bar in the Dominican Sunday night. The L.A. Dodgers with the injury bug. They're going to be without Kyle Seager for four to six weeks. He has a hammy injury. Let's hit the MLB scoreboard live right now. Ramon Lariano's grand slam. The difference. Oakland beating Tampa Bay 6-2. to two. He had a great day. Five RBIs for the A's. Cleveland getting the big win over Cincinnati in the uh, uh, Battle of Ohio. Sorry, Reds win today. Reds win 7-2. to Reds over the Tribe. Chicago and Colorado. The Cubs, man, all over the Rockies right now. 8 to nothing. In the bottom of five, Texas up on Boston, two to one. They're in the bottom of three. Let's hit the board tonight. Two more at 7.05, Toronto and Baltimore. Jays minus 115, Law and Hess, Arizona and Philly. The Phillies minus 145, nine is your total. Kelly and Eflin at 7.10. The Cardinals laying a buck 95 at Miami. Mikolas versus Yamamoto, total eight. 7.20 action, Pittsburgh at Atlanta. Braves, big favorites, minus 229. Keller versus the Red Hot Soroka. Three more at 8.10, Milwaukee and Houston. Astros minus 140. Woodruff versus Verlander. Seven and a half is your total. Seattle at Minnesota. Twins big faves. 235. It's Malone versus Berrios. Over under nine. Detroit at KC. Royals minus 140. Eight and a half. Norris and Duffy. 945 action. We have San Diego laying 35 cents at San Fran. Lucchese versus Anderson. And your over under seven and a half. Women's World Cup of Soccer scores Germany over Spain. One to nothing. Nigeria, they blank Korea two to nothing, and France, the host nation in Norway, they played to a scoreless final. Hey, as Gabe says, that was level one, baby. We're going to level two. Stick around, everybody. Like to thank Dan Daly and Mark Lawrence and our friend Gamblu stops by for the next hour. Red Heat and Rage, hour two, coming up next. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. Game time decisions. Got decision. Ready, Rage on Radio. And it's Sports Radio Network. Guy Varenzi, out of Rage Tedek, and Stuart Lou Gamble.com will join us in a couple of minutes. And uh, we'll talk game seven of the Stanley Cup uh, finals. No UFC this week. There's Bellator at Madison Square Garden. But uh, Lou doesn't cap uh, Bellator. Uh, Rory, <laughs> Rory, Rory McDonald is, uh, is on the card. And hey. CFL football. Oh, God, if Cardano hates us talking about NHL hockey, what's the, oh, boy, CFL football no, starts tomorrow. It's football, though. It's football, and we'll get edges for people in the 
daily fantasy, don't worry about it. It's actually going to be a yes. good thing uh, for that's everybody. True. There's, See, there's draft about, gigs, there's the DFS. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Bad, 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 And as anyone knows me, I cover all football leagues, Kev. You saw, I was yes. all over the Alliance League, right? It's not, Every it's an old Canadian. Whatever league it is, I used to cover the Arena League, but it sucks too hard to cover now. So I gave up the Arena Football League. But CFL season uh, begins uh, tomorrow. And uh, what do we have on the board? Um, there is uh, Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton and the Riders uh, tomorrow night. In in the Hammer. Uh, so that we should. Uh, I was gonna say we should get Babano on tomorrow instead of Friday. It's a good uh, call. But he's gonna he's gonna be going to the game, and you know him and his buddies are probably meeting at like noon or something like that. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a seven o'clock start. Babano doesn't Bano's have a cell phone. First... Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. There's a what was the line? Yeah, Canvassers. There were some canvassers at his house. Anyway, it's he a seven o'clock. He did join us once uh, from a diner. He did. Fish and chip night at the diner. Game's at seven. I, I'm thinking Babano will get to his first Miller Lite around three o'clock. It's going to be one of those days all day and all night, as he calls it at the donut box, Tim Horton Stadium, Hamilton. Yeah. Babano is a pretty straight edge guy, kind of. But drink, he can though. drink, actually. Yeah, like, like Babano can drink. Yeah, Babano can drink more. Like if you wouldn't expect Babano to be able to drink, but he can remember drink. Babano came to the to, to the to the barbecue and the CFL game and everything, and he yep. was still standing. He was still fine. No, oh, yeah, um, he was. Sir. He was. Remember, he was at uh, he was at Wild Wing that night uh, last month or a couple of months ago, yep. and uh, yeah, he was pretty ripped that night. Actually, knocked my drink over and ran out of the bar after, <laughs> and then doesn't remember doing it. It was a double too. Yeah, it's a hey. At least it, it wasn't was double. It wasn't twenty-four bucks at the Raptors game. And his uh, defense, it was nine dollars. The guy, the guy lives in the boonies. He takes like two trains yeah. home. Like he's in the middle of nowhere. It's not like he lives in Hamilton. He lives in a place near it. It's hard to get around. So Babano, when he sneaks off, he's just he's just getting home. I'll defend yeah, him. Yeah, I get one. it. I get it. <laughs> Hamilton are three-point favorites against Saskatchewan yeah, I like tomorrow. Hamilton. Total forty-eight. I like Hamilton. Yeah. They, they they want to open it up for their fans there, right? Give them a show game, first game of the year. Should be tough. Uh, Saskatchewan's an interesting team, though. We'll see. That's my dark horse this year, Saskatchewan. Got a good uh, good defense. Those guys, they'll, 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 their defense is going to show. I like BC as kind of one of those teams because the way I look at it is Devon Claybrooks was always a defensive genius when he was with Calgary. They always had good defenses. Now, when you've got Riley as your quarterback, the whole league's up for grabs this year, but I think the BC Lions are a team to watch out for, Gabe. They could be dangerous. Quick line check. Ticats favored by three, total 48 against the Rough Riders. Montreal Alouettes get 10 against the Edmonton uh, Eskimos, a 51 lot of and a half. A it is. Uh, Red Blacks. Red Blacks get eight and a half at Calgary. A lot of points there, too. Total 52. Winnipeg, uh, two-point underdogs at BC Saturday night. Total 52. We'll hit the stuff of the week. Dan Blue joins us next.
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Patrick, this is continues. Red Heat Rage, our radio, Fantasy Sports, our radio network. I am Gable Morenzi, throwing down with the Rage of Midhead, that Cam Stewart. Let's uh, bring in Lou, Gamblu.com. Uh, we have Game 7 of the Stanley Cup uh, Final this evening. Lou, always a pleasure. Gamblu.com. What's up, Lou? Not too much, guys. Always my pleasure to come, especially this time of year, when we can talk about a little Stanley Cup Final action. Uh, it's the uh, first we talked about this a uh, couple of minutes ago, guys. Actually, you know what's crazy about this? It's uh, 35 years ago today. 35 years ago today was the last time there was a Game 7 of a championship series in the city of Boston. June 12th, 1984, uh, when the Celtics beat the Lakers for the championship. And it's all kinds of anniversaries today, uh, not very good ones. I believe today's the anniversary of uh, the O.J. Simpson uh, the, the actual crime was today, which means in a couple of days we're going to be seeing a lot of Ford White Broncos on the news, and uh, hopefully it's not on the Game 7 of the NBA Finals like it was it was last time. They split the screen. That was pretty crazy. Patrice Bergeron can become the first player in NHL history to score multiple career game-winning goals in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup of the Finals. He scored the winning goal against the Vancouver Canucks at this is a number that's daunting, guys, to me for all the St. Louis Blues backers out here. Tuka Rask in um, potential series-clinching games and elimination games in 2019. 3-0 and record, oh, 0.33 goals against average. Get this, guys. Save percentage, 9-9-0. That's nuts. Two shutouts. Goals <laughs> against average is 0.33 in elimination games and and clinching games. 3-0, and 0.33. Wow. Um, but on the plus side, I can tell you guys the St. Louis Blues are 9-3 on the road in yeah. the playoffs. They definitely have been better on the road. <laughs> what do you make of uh, Game 7, Lou? They're also 2-1 and one in Boston in this series. And I, I, I do have to tell you that when you boil it all down, everybody's watched the same previous six games that I have and that you and Cam have. And I have to uh, give the desire. I want Bennington to be able to prop up the Blues and win this. I've been on the Blues from the beginning. I believe these two teams are evenly matched. When you boil it all down, you take away everything there is. Rask losing the the cup against the Hawks in 13 forces me to provide Boston a little bit of a premium. Then if we look at home team production through the course of this year's 2019 Stanley Cup tournament, we see that the home teams have won 45 times against 40 losses. If you convert that percentage into a point spread, it's minus 116. 
Now you're going to tell me that Boston is minus 180 or 175 at home, and I'm going to tell you that's incorrect. These two teams are closer than that, and I'm all about the Blues tonight. Cam? Yeah, I also, it's one of those things, it looks like a move of desperation, Gabe, but I'm going to say this. I really like Robert Bertuzzo as a person. I think he's a good hockey player. He's young. He's made a couple mistakes in the series, but I'll tell you, Joel Edmondson, I like the move. Bringing out Bertuzzo for Edmondson, who's been in bigger games in his career, I think is a good. Also, Robert Thomas was effective earlier. Till Gabe, you mentioned, remember when he took that big hit? He hasn't been the same player since. Barbashev is an absolute animal. He's an, a, a very physical, intensive guy. The moves that Barube made going into this game, I approve of. And I'm with Lou. I think uh, I would have made the line if I was Vegas. Yeah, I think you got to give it a little bit more than 116 because Boston is the home team, but probably a buck 30, a buck 35. The fact that we're yeah. getting plus 160 and and the Bruins are laying 180 is insane to me. Uh, I can't even hedge out now, Gabe. I've done the math. Uh, there's no hedging out. Like as I said before with George Kurtz on the show, the only way to do it was to take Boston before Game Six at plus 245 or 250. I wasn't in line to do that, so. Guys, I'm all in, Lou. It's uh, blues are nothing for me. There's no hedging at minus 180. Let's see how the cards fall where they may. But uh, yeah, on St. Louis. And, and Cam, I, I love that. I did take the plus 250 series play on Boston after game five, uh, only because it's my philosophy to always take the profit or profit. So we're, we're a win-win either way. Yep. But we, we win four times more if St. Louis wins. So I still have incentive on St. Louis, and I still feel uh, I feel like I'm authentic because how could I? I mean, I can see myself if the money was correct, completely turning and wanting Boston. But from the beginning, I've handicapped this as a St. Louis victory, and I'm sticking to my guns. Uh, Bennington coming off a loss in the postseason, seven and two with a one point eight six goals against uh, average and I've been scared and listen I stopped betting totals about a month ago actually in hockey for the most part Um, I gave up on them but I don't think it's a high scoring game tonight there's always the danger of the empty netters but I really would be surprised if it was a 4-3 game I don't think it's a 5-4 game I I think it's a close game and you know we were talking about this earlier and it's funny we threw it to Mark Lawrence and he said he liked the overtime prop we were talking about this with Ranieri in the morning. It's plus 310. You know, Cam, it's you know, it's amazing, too, because almost every damn game in the playoffs has been like five and a half to like minus money to the under. Yet, it seems like most of them have been going over uh, the number. Yet, yep. you know, between Tuka Rask and that goals against average and the same percentage we were just talking about, and Bennington's been great off a loss. It's game seven, and you know it, Lou. When it comes to hockey, now nobody wants to be that guy to make the mistake. Nobody wants to get caught pinching as a defenseman. Nobody wants to be the guy in the box and and have the other team go ahead and score a goal. So I think you'll see St. Louis play disciplined. It's a fine line for them because they can't be passive, but they need to be aggressive. But I'm just expecting it to be a lower scoring hockey game tonight. Um, You know, it's hard. We don't have a lot of game sevens to go by, guys, in past history, actually. There's uh this is only this is seventeenth game, game seven in Stanley Cup Finals history. The home team is twelve and four. But what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like the Yeah, yeah it's got like nothing the, to do with the that. last 
Yeah, the last time there was a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Finals, it was 2011, and the road team won. And it, that was Vancouver and Boston. We know what happened then, Cam. And then... I was there. Uh, bef- yep. Yeah, before that, it was 2008, and the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, won on the road. So, and St. Louis a bit a better road team. Um, you know, Lou, I my, my concern with the Blues, and I think the Blues are in a good spot on the road, but my concern with the Blues uh, situation is... Tuka Rask, the guy's just almost unbeatable right now. Tuka Rask, number one. Number two, it's not so much Lou, like, ooh, TD Garden, but uh, there's something to be said, man, for Boston, Lou, and their teams have won 12 championships in the last 17 years, and there's a winning pedigree, and there's also a bunch of dudes on this team that were there uh, when they won a cup before. Chara. Uh, you know, Rask was a backup, but Rask uh, was there. Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci. Uh, you know, we can go down the list here. They're an experienced hockey team. And if they get that first goal, man, that, that place is going to be freaking rocking, guys. Consequently, the city of champions has only been not upheld by the Bruins. The Bruins before the Cup talk to the other players on the other teams about what they got to do to do their part. Make no mistake about this, Gabriel. While I agree with everything you just said, turn it around. And if St. Louis gets the first goal, you won't be able to pull a pin out of the rear end of any one of those Boston fans (laughs) with a pliers. They'll be so tight. (laughs) This city of champions thing, the city of champions if St. Louis scores first tonight, will convert itself to tremendous pressure on the Bruins. Yeah, no, you're right. And look, yeah, it's very true, man. Guys, true. the Toronto Raptors felt that pressure at home the other night and dug themselves a hole. The St. Louis Blues clearly felt the pressure of trying to win a cup on home ice and couldn't get it done. We'll see if Boston feels that pressure. But we've seen the theme the Stanley Cup and the NBA Finals in which teams have actually played better on the road. Game Time Decisions continues to gamble. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope. And type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. victory for the Boston Bruins tonight would be the city's 13th championship across the four major North American uh, sports uh, leagues since 2000. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. I can't get a damn game five win the other day. It's almost like, and I hear these guys complain. Like, are you kidding me? I haven't had a, a party since 1993. I'm working at a restaurant as a salad guy. You know, Gabe, guys are getting high in the freezer off whipped cream. I walk out for a smoke break. Joe Carter hits the home run. I was at work that night. We haven't had anything since. And these guys, 13. Oh, my God. Help us, Lou. Help us. Can I get, and we get one? 
and we get one. That Joe, that Joe Carter home run was un freaking believable i'm so upset you missed it yeah yeah uh take the shit i had to work such a loser sorry and this is something that people aren't talking about either too and this is just over the top that look the uh the red sox are the world series champions right now yeah patriots won the super the boston bruins win the stanley cup it's the first time that a city has held three championships at once since 1935. Wow. That is a that is huge. Yeah, and it was Detroit. <laughs> Surprisingly and, and, enough. And let me ask you guys this. 39, excuse that, me. 1939, excuse me. Do you think that's been brought up in the press in Boston? And uh, yes. So, yeah. I got to believe, yes, has. there's a little pressure on them. Absolutely. Believe and me, you guys, want pressure, is- Lou. You're talking about it. There's pressure. Uh, I don't know if this helps. Julian Edelman tweeted out. Basically he's wearing a Bruin jersey, and he said, win or go home. <laughs> like like yeah. the Patriot <laughs> players are like, yeah, you better win type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I see it as tremendous pressure for a veteran squad that doesn't need it. And, again, boil it all down. I'd feel good if I was a Bruin fan because of Rask. And as far as me staying with St. Louis, I think it's I think what motivates them is 50 years of revenge. They're they're playing for yeah. this little girl. They're playing for this city. They're playing for a way bigger thing than trying to uphold the city of champions, man. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, though, Lou. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable, Gabe. And I, I told Gabe this. Hockey is not a sophisticated game in comparison to others when you really think about it. We've all played it. We know it, Gabe. You know what I mean? There's only so much you can do, back check and whatever. Sure, there's plays, but it's limited in comparison to other sports. Hence, my point that I'm trying to make. If you were St. Louis and you have a hot goaltender, you can't do the things that you're doing on the power play, Lou. I told the Marenzi about this. They have to set it up, have motion, and get guys. And instead of just dicking around with the puck, like I said this before and I'll say it again, I don't want to be a broken record. You cannot do the same things you're doing against Rask. You have to fire the pucks from everywhere, create traffic, and score a real cheesy, cheesy goal to get him off his game. If he gets any type of confidence, we're in big trouble. St. Louis was the sixth least penalized team in the regular season. I'll go a step further, and not only will I agree with you, Cam, but I'll go a step further and say this. St. Louis has to stay out of the penalty box tonight. If this is a five-on-five game, I can I can guarantee you two things. Number one, Boston doesn't want a five-on-five game. And number two, if you look at the history of these six games, St. Louis has advantage on five-on-five. So St. Louis must use discipline and must stay out of the box. Now, that's easy to say, but it's hard to do because St. Louis is the bigger, stronger, more heavy playing team. And what's causing the problems, what's causing the penalties is the quickness and the precision of Boston. True, true. And it's it's costing them on both ends, guys, in yep. which, and Cam, you, you've been talking about it all week, the St. Louis Blues power play, as anemic as it is, They've had 18 chances in six games. 18 power play opportunities. They've scored once. Once, yep. One out yeah. of 18 in game three. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Boston Bruins have had 21 chances. 21 power plays. 
They've scored seven times. Nuts. 33.3%. Seven goals. That's a goal a game, essentially. More <laughs> a goal a game on average in this, like, you know, it's you got to stay out of the What's box. A good power it's, it's play, tough. Gabe? What's a good power play percentage? 16 would be, like, really good. 17, maybe? 20%. I'd say 20 is yeah, amazing. And they're 33.3? Come on. Yeah. In, in past playoff years, I would say 20, 24% is a pretty good number because yeah. of the body of work. You're only talking 2016, 18 That's games. That's true. Uh, but, yep. but as odd as, and we knew Boston's power play was working this good going into this series. And what, a, and the way I handicapped it was St. Louis was going to be disciplined and not take the penalty. And what I didn't anticipate was, I, I think St. Louis has been disciplined. What I didn't anticipate is Boston speed getting to the St. Louis Blues as much as it had. So, yeah, looking at, uh, so let's see the percentages here. Uh, power play percentages are up, uh, Cam. And as you mentioned, playoffs, regular season is different. But in the regular season, uh, Tampa Bay had a, a 28% uh, scoring rate on the power That's, play. That is incredible. Four to 26.8. Boston uh-huh. was the third best power play team in the NHL at 25.9. But look, St. Louis, as you mentioned, where was St. Oh, yeah, Louis? That's, that's regular season. Down in the... <laughs> St. Louis are 21.1% in the well, regular season. So that would make season. them what? So About they're, Yeah, they're ninth in the NHL, so they're greatly yeah. underperforming. Like, what's one for 18 percentage-wise? Like, 7%? 5%? 5%? I don't even know what it is. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's terrible. It's terrible, Gabe. It's pathetic, if actually. If St. Louis loses, that'll be a reason. It, oh, and, you know, it's the main Louis, reason. It's the main reason for sure. And St. Yeah, Louis are usually pretty good at this. Uh, they get uh, on, they they kill eighty one percent of their penalties in the regular season. So, you're right, Cam. It's been a special teams collapse for them that it could cost them this series. It could, yeah, it could cost them the Stanley Cup. And the thing is, so it's interesting to me. And let's just say this. Sorry, Gabe. Boston has a shorthanded goal too. They might have two off the top of my head. I know they have one. They might have two. So they're shorthanded better. Like, that's the crazy thing. St. Louis's M.O., it's weird. When they get on the power play, they really have heavy legs. And when you look at Boston, to lose point, they're fast. And on the power play, they set up lanes. They're quicker, whatever. St. Louis has to have a whole new philosophy on the power play. They got to move their feet and do it. They just go, Gabe, we talked about it back and forth, back and forth. It's it's idiotic. It not, it not just wastes time. It lets the Bruins set up their defense. They better, their special teams coach better come up with some good ideas tonight. And uh, one being moving the puck in motion and 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 blocking Rask. Lots of, lots of traffic. That's, it has to happen. Total agreement. I think it, I go, I go further. Forget passing. Put the doggone yeah. puck on the net. Fren, yes. frenet, frenetic, crazy play in front of the net with the big St. Louis bodies. And, and potentially trying to impede Rast's yes. vision is the only way I see St. Louis winning. I agree, Lou, 100%. Lou, gamblu.com uh, uh, with us. Um, Zdeno Chera will be playing in his 14th game seven uh, in his career, which is now an NHL record, passing Patrick Waugh and Scott Stevens, who played uh, 13. Uh, game sevens uh, in their career. 
Um, what else? Uh, what other notes of interest? I talked about it about the home team being 12 and four in Game Sevens of the Stanley Cup Final, but I said Pittsburgh 2008. My bad. It was 2009, and then of course the infamous Boston Bruin uh, win in Vancouver in Game Seven in a hockey game, Cam, that was decided pretty freaking quickly. And was, you yeah. were at the game. I was leaving Vancouver as the game was starting, uh, but I was on WestJet, who had TVs on the plane. Correct. And they, so they had the game on, and it was like a bar. It was basically like, so we were still on the tarmac, and they started giving people beers and stuff. Like, we were taking off just as the game was about to start, and people were only literally like one or two beers in before the game was over. It was 4 nothing. <laughs> it, was, it was decided yeah. in the first... Three like nothing. ten minutes of the game, goal, 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 three nothing, yeah. whatever the hell it was, yeah, three nothing, horrible yeah, it was start. Yep. It was Gabe, and and the thing was, I know, I remember the feel of that building. It was dead before it happened. Like instead of excitement, fear from the Vancouver fan base. And I remember, I smashed the Boston Bruins. I don't bet on Boston very much, but that game, Gabe, <laughs> I looked at every single ding, ding, ding. Like I'll never forget that day. And my cameraman, who didn't even bet, said, "Just throw a hundred on me." on Boston for me, too. Like, we were all in on the Bruins. I feel very differently about this game, though. And and let's remember, too, Gabe, the Bruins were the road team in Vancouver there. That's the beautiful thing. You think about hockey, other sports, it's not like basketball where you're on top of the players and Lou set it off the top. You want to be that road team? If they can stop the early flurry, it goes advantage blues. I almost want to be the road team and celebrate in their barn. You know? You Um, feel that way? Well, you know, Danico talked about like being on the road and sucking the the life out of it. He said there's nothing better than being on the road and scoring first and silencing a building, as Lou was talking about earlier. And there's no disputing it. There's no disputing it now. The St. Louis Blues are a better road team than they are a home team, Lou. We can't dispute it. They're 9-3 and on the road in the playoffs. All they have to do is win one more game, and we don't care what they do after that. Um, you mentioned uh, Robert Thomas getting be uh, scratched, and looks like uh, uh, looks like the dude that got crushed earlier in the yeah. series. What's his name? Uh, Grizzly. Uh, looks like Grizzly. Time decision to be back. Passed. I think he's yeah, he back. Concussion protocol. Yeah, he's going to play. Uh, coach said uh, he's going to play probably for them tonight. Arbashev in for the Blues. I really like that play. He's a heavy player. Thomas hasn't been the same since he got rocked. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back a couple of more minutes with Lou Gamble. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. A great story here about uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's played great uh, for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, you know, he's probably going to win the Conn Smythe if they win. Uh, well, what are the odds on that, actually? Conn Smythe for Ryan O'Reilly. Uh... Wow, it's not even listening. 
him or Bennington. They might give it to Bennington for what he did, like, for, yeah, it's, uh, but O'Reilly doesn't have. Oh, here he is. Oh, he's plus 300. My bad. There he is. He was on the uh, end more for some reason. Plus 300. Yeah, look, Jaden Schwartz hasn't scored at all. He's not winning. No, Schwartz is done. No, he he was good early, not this series. Riley could win. Uh, Bennington's plus 500. Riley's plus 300. So Riley's actually the favorite if the Blues win. But nevertheless, a kid on Boston, a kid in Boston, I should add, was in the uh, Guitar Center store last night. All right, so he's in the Guitar Center. It's a music store, and they yep. sell more guitars. But, you know, it's a Guitar Center there in every major American city. And um, he's wearing a Bruce Bruin jersey. And he's shopping around. He's looking at guitars. And uh, Ryan O'Reilly walks into the store. And O'Reilly's <laughs> a big music fan. Yep. And O'Reilly starts talking to the guy. And he tells the guy, you know, what are you looking at and stuff? And Buddy's like, ah, oh, you know, I like this guitar, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm shopping around type of thing. It's kind of expensive or whatnot. Ryan O'Reilly bought him the guitar. Oh wow! Ryan O'Reilly's told him, "Get whatever guitar you want in the store. It's on me, kid." That's awesome. <laughs> so this kid, John Corrado, he just tweeted out a picture of the guitar, and uh, and the bill, and uh, he goes. Uh, uh, Corrado approached Riley. So Corrado approached him, actually. He recognized him. Uh, Corrado approached Riley after he exited the room, and they struck up a conversation about music. O'Reilly then offered to buy Corrado any guitar he wanted. Corrado let O'Reilly choose uh, for him and went home with a Siegel brand acoustic guitar. I refused right away, but he told me it wasn't about the money. He said he loves music and wants others to enjoy what um, the joy that he has found playing guitar as well. Corrado told him, I'm still cheering for the Bruins, though. <laughs> he said, he said, uh, he goes, I understand. It's okay. He goes, because uh, I told him I would say good luck, but he understood I really couldn't. I hope one day I could thank him. It's really inspiring. Maybe one day we could play guitar uh, together. So a nice story there, Lou, about Ryan O'Reilly before the biggest game of his life, buying a kid in Boston a guitar. For all demeanor disposition and mental approach from the heartland of America, St. Louis, Chicago, Omaha, Kansas City, Minneapolis, Dallas, that whole middle belt. And I'm not, I'm not saying other people and other uh, on the coast are not friendly, but that Midwest thing and what's going on in St. Louis, even if Boston wins tonight, I mean, there's no losers here. The city of St. Louis gained some, finally gained some legitimacy. I sure would like to see him win it. Uh, but every storyline out of St. Louis is outstanding. And if Boston does, in fact, hoist, what can you do but tip your cap to in the eventual city of champions? I mean, no, there's nothing like this going on right now. Either way, we, the fans, are winners. Uh, Gamblu, uh, with us. I'm just looking it up. I didn't know where Ryan O'Reilly actually was from. He's from Clinton, Ontario. Ken. Ontario, yep. Clinton, yep. Clinton. Small town. It's uh, past Stratford. Yeah. So, like, past Kitchener, Stratford. Yep. Um, London, London kind of past. Yes, exactly. Clinton, Ontario. Yeah, it looks like I, it's I on to, the water. It's on the edge. It's a three-hour drive from Toronto. Yeah, I used to cover a hockey league there where, like, Strathroy Rockets. 
and list tool and yeah, Clinton, like all that, that, that basically when I was living in London, that was the, that was like the league. That's actually Gabe, if, uh, as crazy as things sound, Joe Thornton was playing when I was playing like back then. It was like, I'm only, a, what, what's Joe Thornton? How old's Joe Thornton now? Like I was only a couple years older than him. You know what I mean? It was crazy. And he was an amazing player in that league and the rest is history. So yeah, Clinton, small town. I, I like Ryan O'Reilly a lot. It's really good that he got out of Buffalo. Um, there was only so much he could do there, and it was a great move by the Blues, Gabe. That's good good karma going in tonight, buying the kid's guitar. I hope he uh, has a million tonight. Hope he hope he's getting done for me, me and Gamble. <laughs> Other awesome. notable persons of uh, interest uh, from Clinton, Ontario, Keppel Disney, grandfather to Walt Disney. <laughs> huh. Clinton? Uh, wow. I had no idea. I mean, that, that, he had he had to have been born in 1790 for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, I'm old, but that's real old. Yeah. Uh, pretty much, uh, pretty much. That's about it. Ryan O'Reilly, Cal O'Reilly, uh, Canadian hockey player with the Rochester Americans, must be his brother or something. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Canadian hockey player with the St. Louis Blues. William Otter, first Canadian board commander of the Canadian Army. Um, so yeah, there's our Clinton, uh, Clinton, Ontario, uh, his, his, history lesson, uh, right there. But you know, Lou, it's funny. I think it's just sort of, you know, me and Cam, we've talked about this. I don't know. I guess you can't blanket coverage and generalize or stereotype anybody. Cause people, a lot of people say hockey guys are the nicest guys and stuff, but it's not true. Like a lot of hockey guys are jerks. They, they're good at faking it. They come across as nice guys because they wear suits and they don't talk, right? So, but trust me, they're not the nicest guys in real life. Like, I should say a lot of the younger sort of star players are yeah. kind of dickheads. So, yeah. yeah, some guys, the you older know, generation, the older I find guys are a lot cool. nicer. They are, they exactly. are very much cool. But there are a lot of good guys in the hockey world. And, mm. you know, this, this is a nice story. And even Alexander Ovechkin, I don't know if you know the story, Lou. I think you probably remember it, Cam. But it, it's cold as hell in Winnipeg, Lou. It's probably the coldest city in the league, Winnipeg. And, you know, along with Minneapolis, Montreal, et cetera, real cold. So it's cold as hell in Winnipeg. And Alexander Ovechkin and the Caps were there playing against uh, the Jets. And Ovi's walking down the street, and he sees some dude, like a homeless guy, freezing his ass off. No jacket and stuff, little thin jacket. And guy's brutally cold. Doesn't even ask, like, Obi for anything. Like, he's just sitting there. Ovechkin stopped. Freaking gave him the jacket off his back. Like, he, he, he stopped, and he said, here. And somebody filmed it. And they were like, look, like Ovechkin's giving his jacket to a homeless dude. It was a nice jacket, too, Cam. <laughs> like, I know, bet it was. Gave him, the, gave him the winter jacket. And Ovechkin took out all the money that he had on him and gave him the money. <laughs> money and coat. He said, wow. he said, this is all I have on me. It was like $2,000 or something. He said, it's all I have on me. Here's a jacket and all the money I have on me. God bless. And he just walked away. That's pretty, damn, like, that's pretty damn Yeah, nice. like, you know what I mean? Like, say what you will, oh, Ovechkin, this, you know, he cheap shot someone or he did that. Like, um, Ovechkin, some of these guys that grew up poor, they remember what it's like. You know what I mean? Like, and I know Vegas' family were athletes and stuff, but, you know, in Russia, even, he didn't have a lot. And, you know, it's, it's just nice that, to see that some of these people still, like, you know, they want to help people instead of just banging chicks on Instagram, Lou. 
That's a, I'm glad you shared that. It makes me feel great. I love hearing those stories. I wish they would get publicized more. But what that tells me more than anything is that I respect Ovechkin's parents because he learned that from his parents. And uh, I tip my hat to the story and to Ovechkin and especially the parents that brought that kid up to have that kind of head on his shoulders. That's a great story. LouGamblu.com. Vetchkin gives jacket. And I get the. I want to get that. How much money he gave him? Uh, all right, Lou. So we got a couple of minutes uh, left. Oh, it's Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton, close. another cold spot. Cold yeah, spot. Just, just. Uh. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was Edmonton. Edmonton. Same thing. Uh, just, just as cold, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> Very cold. Yes. I've lived in Yellowknife, Edmonton, cold. Yeah, it ranks up there with Winnipeg for cold, definitely. Yeah, 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 just uh, just as cold. Um, all right, Lou, so before we get chatted, no UFC this week, uh, Lou. There's Bellator in New York here, Rory McDonald's fighting uh, Neiman Gracie, uh, Chael Sonnen and Leota Machida. No UFC wow. this week, uh, but I did see a video uh, today of Khabib and Poirier facing off for the first time, Lou. Yeah, um, I'm busy preparing for College World Series, which is my next event. This is perfect because the uh, uh, the cup ends tonight. I go right to College World Series. Uh, Poye yep. Nurmagomedov is going to be interesting. I'm surprised the line at that on that fight is as low as it is. Uh, it's not to take anything away from Poirier. I'm I'm interested in seeing how he approaches that fight. Um, and for the record, the I, line I, is, just for people who don't know, uh, the pretty much consensus uh, line that's been posted is uh, it's about uh, minus 350, 360 or so. I mean, if that number was minus 550, I, I wouldn't blink at it. I mean, I I think that it should, I think it'll be 500 by the time it goes off. Uh, that fight is uh, be going off when the football season goes off. September the 7th, Daniel wow. Cormier and Myosic uh, dance again. That's a fun card, August the 17th. You, know, you got Cormier and Myosic rematch, and then Anthony Pettis and Diaz uh, will be a fun fight. Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway. You got you to gotta believe at some point Frankie Edgar starts to run out of gas. Wow, is a beat big favorite against uh, Brian Ortega. That's July 27th. And then, of course, we have the big UFC uh, weekend uh, in Vegas, July 6th. John Jones, Thiago Santos, Amanda Nunes, and Holly Holm. Jan Blakowicz and Luke Rockhold, Ben Askren and Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Diego Sanchez and Michael Chiesa. That's going to be a fun card, UFC 239, Lou. Yeah, we, we get really packed. I mean, I think starting next week, we get uh, six UFC cards in the next seven or eight weeks. So, uh it's great now. Used to be long time ago when I was out of UFC, uh, really before I knew about it, it was the dog days, and I did absolutely nothing during the summer. But we got UFC every week, and uh, really I start my NFL preparation in July. So uh, it's we're getting close to uh, NFL season and uh, plenty of UFC to, to bridge the gap and get us there. It really is right around the corner. We're already into, uh, we're going to be into mid-June here. And yep. Training camps are going to be open before we know it. And then the preseason, and then boom. 
the uh, college football season and everything else. Uh, Lou, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thank you uh, for taking the time to be with us this afternoon. We encourage people to follow Lou on Twitter. Uh, um, he's not a jerk uh, like so many people are on Twitter, including myself sometimes. Uh, Lou at uh, Gamblu.com, and his website is Gamblu.com. Uh, thank you for your time, Lou. Thank you, guys, and enjoy the hockey tonight, gentlemen. You too, Lou. Thanks, uh, Lou, gamblu.com. Uh, going to be uh, a great game, Rancy. Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Think about the next two nights, buddy. It's tonight, and then the Raptors the next game, man. It's going to be an interesting uh, 48 hours here. And then after that, you say things change big time. Like, it's going to be pretty wild. We'll see. Um, the Toronto Raptor fans called out, of course, for uh, for the booing of, of, of Kevin, or the, the cheering, I yeah. should say. Yeah, so of 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 Kevin Durant. It wasn't pretty. It's also not pretty that Kyle Lowry's getting attacked on Twitter now. Like yeah. you said, the Canadian soccer players getting attacked and death threats. Like, God, the people are stupid. Um, Larry and Wawa brought something up that the the fans actually got excited about the turnover. Same time as visit. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Network continues. Yeah, we're just talking about uh, the injury and uh, with Kevin Durant and the cheering. And I said the same thing. Uh, listen, I didn't even notice. People were cheering the turnover. That's what I saw when he went down. Yeah. I didn't, you know, no one really knew the severity of the injury at the time. But even Ibaka, Sergi Ibaka said that he initially, like when he fist bumped, like he sort of pumped his fist. He said he didn't realize that Durant was injured, that he thought he was just like turnover and he brings it up. That the fans were excited, it's emotional. Sometimes you're excited, you forget who you are. It's our job to just say, slow everyone down. Right away, they stop. Uh, that shows how good our fans are. When you're emotional, you can sometimes forget. <laughs> the crowd was cheering his name, and to me, that's the most important thing. I don't think the fans knew the significance of the injury. Uh, they just kind of saw him fall, Kyle Lowry said. In this league, we're all brothers. At the end of the day, we're all brothers. It's a small brotherhood. You never want to see a competitor like him go down like that. You don't know what the circumstances are for me. It was just, listen, we don't want anything like that to happen. Uh, we know what it's like. So I just kind of, we don't want that type of uh, stuff. Um, Warrior uh, Stefan Curry lived in Toronto, said that Monday's uh, cheers left him confused. It's not my experience with the people of this city. I just hope the ugliness doesn't show itself when we go forward in this series. I just hope that you guys aren't back in Toronto, to be honest, Curry. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have to worry uh, about that, but... I think it was a little overstated. It is what it is. But at the same point in time, there were some jerks in the arena. It, it works like that in every city. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you expect uh, it to be total silence after that, I don't, 
When's the last time you've been to a sporting event? It's going to get that way. But they're making it out now, these big stories about, you know, boo-hoo, people in Toronto are dicks and all this stuff. Hell, they the people, even with this story, they're sending, like, flowers and money to Kevin Durant's charities and foundations and stuff like that. It's, like, time for that story to go away. It's, it's, a, it's a non-story, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, you're exactly right. And people, they're not going to talk about that. It's convenient. Like I said, like, people are freaking out about this. You know, yeah, it sucked, but I said their owner did shove Kyle Lowry to in this series, right? <laughs> Thank you. Didn't seem to be a big outrage about that, was there? Like, I know. Hey, come on. Damn right, Nick. It's been an ugly series, and it's going to continue to be. It just is. It's going to get worse.